0: Welcome back to Bible Love. We are working through our summer where we have folks who are creating resources for the church, helping the church think about things more creatively, and helping us all in our walk uh, with Christ. And so, as we're doing each time this summer, we are praying for those who influence us. Lord be with you. Almighty God, you proclaim your truth in every age by many voices. Direct in our time, we pray, those who speak where many listen and write what many read, that they may do their part in making the heart of this people wise, its mind sound, and its will righteous. To the honor of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, listeners, you are in for a treat today. Today we have Kendall Anderslice with us. Now, Kendall. I started sort of getting obsessed with because is that should I should I say should I say that? <laughs> um, but I, I started following her on Instagram. Um, she has a wonderful Instagram account called Edible Theology, which you should all follow, and we will link all of that. But Kendall is a baker and a theologian, and you're gonna learn a lot more about her. She's written several books, one that's coming out soon. Um but she is different to me in what she produces and what God is calling her to do, because so much of it is around what food we consume and how it affects our bodies and how that can also like deepen our relationship with Christ. So, Kendall, we are so thankful you're here today. Thanks. Thank for you me. so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. So, I told you, I wanted to ask you, like, talk to us a little bit about what you're growing up and like what, where God started turning in your heart to start um be doing this ministry that you do, because that's what it is.
2: Yeah. So I have always loved food. Um, Food has always been just something of interest and fascination to me. Um, I loved specifically bread. Uh, so I, you know, from from a young age, visited a couple of different bread bakeries for field trips in school um, and was just fascinated by the movements of the bakers and kind of the process of making bread. Um, so by the time I was in high school, baking became kind of what I did to process through my emotions kind of late at night, late at night in my parents' kitchen. I would knead dough and scoop cookies as kind of a way of dealing with anxiety and um, also dealing with like excitement and, you know, positive and negative emotions, all of it, I processed it um, through baking. So when it came time to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, um, I turned to baking as kind of a way of helping process and in turn realized actually maybe making food is what I want to do with my life. And that's kind of the car- career trajectory that I'm going on. Um, so I had many sort of circuitous <laughs> Ways of getting here. Um, I took a gap year after high school working for a hospital ship in West Africa. Um, After that, I went to college at a liberal arts school where I studied anthropology. Um, So, not exactly your expected paths towards a career in food. Um, But along the way, I began to realize that um, to see the ways that food was not just something that connects us to kind of the immediate people that we sit at the table with. But the way that it connects us to the places that we call home, the way that it helps kind of narrate the stories of where we've lived and where our families have come from, and the ways that it becomes a a method of connecting with people from other parts of the world and other cultures, um, that that food does so much more, it plays so much more of a role in our lives than just that of sustenance. Um, and so I, after I graduated from undergrad, I did go and work in the restaurant industry for a number of years as a baker and a pastry chef. Um, but along the way, I did a degree in food studies at Boston University, where I was studying history and anthropology of food. Um, and then ultimately came to Duke Divinity, where I did a master of theological studies um, to dig more into how the the history of food in the church and the ways it connects with theology has shaped um both christian tradition and food culture um, and so that is kind of ultimately how i wound up creating the edible theology project
1: okay so did you seem to find a need of of this you know the edible the food and the theology part and, and so creating I think edible me- theology was your first project right
2: um well so sort of um i for me this really it started with my my research on churches church meals and churches that eat together as a form of worship and so that I wrote my thesis in my food studies program on these church meals um and was just interested on and in what like my question kind of in that work was what is happening when we eat together that as a church that changes our understanding of communion and what it means to worship um and so I wrote a book out of that research visiting a number of churches called We Will Feast um, that released in 2019. But actually, as I was doing that research, that's kind of what made me realize I had some more theological questions. Um And so I I wrote the book and then went to Duke, and while I was there, I started a newsletter that was just kind of poking at these, drawing out these um, sort of connections between food and theology. Um, And so for me, the interest really going into it was much more sort of, of an academic sort of approach. I was fascinated with the field of food studies and wondering how can the work in the field of food studies inform what we do in theology, um and so, edible theology began very much sort of as an academic project. I didn't have the curriculum in mind um, at all. It was kind of a like, let's you know, let's write a newsletter as i'm as I'm going through school, and this can help me sort of find the audience for my book when it finally comes out. Um, but after We will Feast released in the spring of uh, twenty nineteen, and I spent the next nine months, Traveling the country, um, working in churches, um, speaking in churches, and leading meals in churches, and talking about the importance of embodied community and thinking about building our churches in a rhythm um, around the table that focuses on building community. And then in the spring of 2020, of course, this message that I've been preaching for the last year suddenly becomes not only impossible, but something dangerous. Um, And so it created a sort of strange moment of like, practically, I no longer had a job because I could no longer travel to churches and teach this message. Um, But then also there was that strange sort of existential question, I guess, of like, what do you do when this message that you think is so vital to how God created us as humans and how God desires for the church to function Become something dangerous. Um, and so the development of curriculum actually kind of came out of that. Um, I realized this research that I've done and my interest in creative methods of building community can speak to the current moment. It can help us think about how do we creatively build community in the midst of separation, recognizing our need to be together and the fact that this isn't possible right now. Um, and so I developed, started working on developing curriculum out of that. Um, and so our first program, was Bake with the Bible, which is a six-lesson Sunday school or home family sort of study of um, six different gospel stories about bread and looking at, you know, what happens, um, how is bread used in the the gospel, and how does that help us understand Jesus in a different light? Um, So really it was kind of writing that study that I realized, oh, there's a lot of interest in just like, you know, using bread to reflect a little bit more fully on how we see bread at work in scripture and um, I began to realize that other people were as excited, maybe even more excited than me about learning about kind of bread in Christian tradition, the ways it connects with different holidays and and all that sort of thing. So a lot of kind of what edible theology has become um, has developed out of the sort of excitement for learning more about bread in Christian practice. Um, so it's kind of been a like, I like to say I kind of backed into what we're doing now. Um, for me, it started as kind of, research interest and wanting to share it with anyone who would listen. And it became like, oh, wow, there's, there's a need here that this research can really help meet. I love that. That's how God works, right?
1: Yeah. You're making me think about, um, it may be, uh, next year, but when we're in the lectionary in Mark and then that like summer part where there's just that chunk of John, that is just bread, bread, bread. Yes. I'm the bread. I'm digging. We need to do Kindles, uh, yes. <laughs> during my time because the bread, the bread, metaphorically and literally, is so present. Yes, in the Bible. I mean it's yes. uh, it's almost overwhelming at, at mm-hmm. some time how much bread is spoken about. So, it
2: is, and and I think so often it gets treated as though it's. Purely kind of metaphorical in the ways that it's spoken about. And it is in many ways metaphorical, I think, um, speaking to sort of more broadly, kind of all of our sort of foods that we eat and all of God's provision. Um, but I also think that, like, very practically, the substance of bread itself is significant. Like, there is a reason that God chose bread as this primary image and not fish or, um, you know, some other kind of food that was also. Pretty prevalent for most um, most people in Scripture. Yeah, I mean, I think about how different the Eucharist
1: would feel to people if they were not receiving that bread every week. Yeah, I mean, Alan and I have the privilege of putting that bread in people's hands, and just the change on their face. Often, just that they are consuming that. Alan, I don't know if you've had those kind of experiences, but like. It's almost like, I always just feel so privileged to watch that, you know? So anyway, that's awesome. Thank you for talking about that. Now, so now we move into your book that is just coming out. this month. talk to us more about that.
2: Yeah. So my book um, is called By Bread Alone, A Baker's Reflections on Hunger, Longing, and the Goodness of God. Um, And I like to say that this book is a theology of bread as told through my story. Um, so I've, I I had this book in mind really kind of since 2016, I started thinking about it, um, wanting to dig at kind of the scriptural parallels um, that are present in bread itself um, and wanting to look at kind of. The uh, dive deeper into each of the elements of bread and how they're present in scripture. You know how flour is used in scripture, how leaven is present in scripture, how salt is an image throughout scripture, um, and write write a book out of that. And so that was kind of what I had in mind when I when I went to Duke Divinity and started working on my my research there. And in the process, um, I took a spiritual autobiography class, kind of a memoir class. Um, And decided to write an essay that was kind of a series of vignettes of the, the moments that had shaped my relationship to bread and to my body and to the church. And in that process, I realized my entire understanding of kind of theology of bread, how God speaks and works through bread is entirely shaped through my own personal relationship to my body and to the church and to bread Um, But really, I think that is true for so many of us. And I think that's why bread is this central image, that it's this bread, you know, the bread represents the body of Christ. It's the bread that makes us into one body, um, that this relationship between bread and body and the body of Christ and the bread of life, that all of that is sort of interwoven. Um, And so in the end, this book became really sort of um, my own story as a way to then sort of dig into um, the ways that bread is used throughout the story of scripture, throughout the history of the church, um, and why I think it might be that that God gave us bread as the, kind of the central image. Love that.
1: A lot of what's on your Instagram post and what I've enjoyed so much is the history of the church and the food that is um, connected to it. So I'm looking at, um, we just had Candlemas a couple of weeks yes. ago. We did um, one on tamales, which can, which are part of can, Candlemas. And I think what people, what I'm learning, I didn't even know that. And I'm a priest <laughs> part of this. Yes. But I think what we learn from that is, is this experience, right? These things we might not know these. And then how do we shape that in our own life, whether it's with kids or adults or whatever um someone else we were talking to I think we forget how important the liturgical season can be and that it's not just there for the heck of it that there there's real things to learn and then it sounds like this next project that you have is really digs more into the scripture of that -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so talk to us about that a little bit
2: yeah I mean I'm I'm fascinated with like kind of multiple different facets of how we sort of um, approach food and the ways that food shapes our world and shapes our lives. Um, And so what I find most interesting is that kind of food is kind of this, um, this force that shapes us, uh, that shapes our relationship to home and to family and to the places that we live, to culture, all of these things both are shaped by food and then also shape the foods that we eat. Um, And in the same way, I think our own faith traditions shape us, shape the culture that we're in, and also are shaped by family and place and the culture that we're in. And so I think when we start talking about food and kind of identifying the ways that food is at play in these these different spaces, it becomes a way of reflecting more fully on um, how our faith also shapes us and is shaped by family and home and The seasons and and kind of the the rhythms of our lives and so i think um when we kind of food becomes this almost safe and easy and fun thing to reflect on but through it we end up being able to reflect on um so much more um and so i think when we start with food as kind of our our guiding um our guiding sort of image it then guides us into so many different conversations and so we can look at these really fun like lighthearted conversations around kind of food traditions in church history. And it becomes this way of kind of connecting us with Christians throughout history, but also with Christians around the world um, and being able to quite tangibly taste sort of the the traditions and the practices of of, um, of others. But it also becomes a way of kind of getting into a deeper conversation about Um, our relationship to the place that we live and the foods that we grow and the people who grow our foods. It becomes a way into conversation about, you know, food insecurity and, and where, you know, food access, it becomes a way of talking about the goodness of God's creation and also the brokenness of creation and the ways we experience that ache, particularly in relationship to food. Um, And so I like to think that kind of the, the connecting point between all the pieces of my work is really using food as this inroad into so many other conversations. And some of them are really lighthearted and joyous. And some of them are a little bit heavier and harder to talk about. But I think all of that um, is tied together in food. And I think that is how God uses food sort of throughout the narrative of scripture as well.
1: Yeah. You know what it reminds me, Alan, of is the table you put in your front yard um and and you can tell that story but this gap it's it's the gathering of people too right and being in community yes absolutely yeah we
0: did i mean it's the turquoise table you've maybe heard it's oh yeah absolutely model yeah and so during covid you know um we put a giant incredibly heavy picnic table in our front yard and people would come gather around and we have cul-de-sac and it became like we brought in food trucks it's a oh, park in cool. our cul-de-sac and people from the neighborhood would come. We would, on Sunday morning, I'm a priest so I can do Eucharist. Um, and so we would do that for kind of our neighbors. And it was a gathering place around, I mean, it's where we celebrated birthdays for the kids in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It became, you know, I, I see that's a Scott Erickson artwork behind you, right? The house. Um, with the, this one actually
2: did. is not, but I do have one of oh, his somewhere else in my house now.
0: Okay. It looks it like, it looks like style. him though. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> But it makes me think, like, you know, to me, I see a house and growth coming from that. And, right, Mm -hmm. homes and food are intricately connected. And how do we find that place where we gather, be it around a table or a picnic table? Um, And what do we do with the food that that draws us there? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I love So all of my sort of work, I say, begins in kind of Genesis 1 through 3, that I don't think we can sort of talk about food well or community well or their relationship together without beginning in these early chapters of Genesis, um, that from the very beginning of creation, humans were created with two basic needs, the need to draw nutrition and energy from food and the need to share our lives with other humans. The only thing that was not called good at the beginning of creation was a human being alone. Um, and the sort of method of doing that, like the table is this method of meeting both of those basic needs at the same time. That when we share a meal with others, this need for companionship and this need for food are met at the same time. But then when we also look at the story of Genesis 3, it is that same action. It is sharing a meal with others that becomes this point of um, of brokenness and and rupture, um, and now kind of throughout the near like throughout the whole of history, we see food and the sharing of food and the growing of food serving both this purpose of building community and of drawing us together and of meeting our needs, and also it's this um, this platform through which we experience the deep ache of creation, um, and the deep ache in our relationships to one another, but yet it is through a meal that Christ you know, uh, recognizes um, that Christ builds the church and, and promises that Christ will continue this work of restoration. And so um, I think every time we eat and every time we talk about food, we see those things sort of at once in tension that, that we are able to recognize that like creation is not as it's meant to be and that deeply hurts. And also this food is a method of pulling us together in relationship to other humans and in relationship to God through this delightful gift of sharing food.
1: Yeah, another thing I've noticed um, on your on your account is how sensitive you are to people that like have food allergies or that struggle with food, you know, maybe as a crutch or, you know, or something like that. I really appreciated that. I don't fortunately don't struggle with those things, but I know that there are people that food is all, all they use it for is to literally get through the day, you know, mm-hmm. it's not for enjoyment. And so I appreciate what, what kind of, I don't know if that there's something in your own life or just being a sensitive person in 2023, you know, that made you think I need to be thoughtful about this too, to include everybody. Cause food can have yeah. bad things, intentions for people, you know, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, part of my own story is definitely a very fraught relationship to food and a very fraught relationship to my body. Um, and a, a large part of, that's kind of a um, a large portion of what I talk about in By Bread Alone um, is this really complex relationship um, to food and, and the ways that it impacts my body. Um, and, you know, attempting to Control things through my relationship to food, and food being kind of this um, this method of attempting to gain control um, in in times when I felt very out of control. Um, and so I think part of it is for me my fascination with the theology of food and the history and culture of food um, is is born out of the fact that that is that was kind of, for me, the source of healing, um, in the midst of this very fraught relationship to food, um, that when I kind of hit this point of asking, like, how do I even know what is good? What should I eat? What can't I eat? Like how food will impact my body? Um, I started by looking at, well, how has food, how, what role has food served for other people throughout, throughout time? And what can I learn from that? Um, and then from there, sort of digging further into, scripture and saying that, well, food, God calls food good and never says otherwise, (laughs) that, that food is good by virtue of the fact that God created it and called it good. And our bodies are good because God created them and called them good. And God never revoked that. Um, But then seeing that, like, you know, realizing that we still feel these tensions and that these are very real experiences of our relationship to food. Um, I think that for me became this way of sort of reshifting the narrative around how we relate to the things that we eat. Um, and so that that to me is central to kind of how how I talk about food um in in the work that I do. I like to say, so at edible theology, we have like a a three-step approach that we that we use through all of our through all of our materials. The first is identifying the barriers to gathering at the table. And so for some people, those are things like allergies or really complicated relationships to food. Um, For some people, those are very practical, like I don't have a table or, you know, like you live in a big city in in a small apartment and you don't have room to invite people to your table. Um, Some of those are time wise, like we're just so busy, we don't have time to to pull people around the table. Um, So a lot of our In our materials and especially sort of in our Instagram posts, we're trying to help people identify those barriers to gathering and figure out how to address them. And then our second step is finding your food story, understanding kind of the ways that food has shaped you and your family um, and your experience of the world and being able to sort of identify like what does food mean in your life and what are the foods that are significant to you. And then the third and final step is sharing our stories around the table as a method of building community. So once we've identified those barriers and kind of found our own story, then sharing our stories about food around the table becomes this method into deeper community um, that I believe models kind of the community that God desires us to have.
1: It's beautiful. Beautiful ministry, beautiful work. The time is up. It goes so fast. Um, (laughs) so grateful for the work that you do. Um, I think it's so important. And I know that our listeners um, will learn a lot from you today. And of course, we're going to have everything linked, go buy Kendall's book, follow her on Instagram, all those things, because I really believe you're bringing something very different, very important, um, and obviously very scriptural, something that Jesus really cared a lot about to the table. So thank you for doing that, Kendall. And as always, we love you, but most importantly, God does.